and he made sure that I got hired and within the same company I was in. And he didn't have to do that. This was just something he did. It's just the kind of guy he was, and it, it really made an impression on me. So the, uh, that, was a, that was a really interesting example to me and a lesson learned, I, I would say, of uh, yeah. human behavior and the kind of kindness that people can exhibit without expecting anything back. Yeah. Welcome to the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast, where we explore the three facets of the modern man and discuss leadership, chivalry, and style so that you can continue to bring your best to the world. Hi, I'm Jeff Hendrickson, and through impactful subjects and in interviews with men I've known and worked with in various industries over the years, you'll learn some valuable lessons about modern men and their struggles and triumphs. Tonight, I'll be interviewing my friend and work colleague, Paul Haskett. Paul is a self-proclaimed follow-your-heart or gut technologist. He has over 30 years of electronic control systems, digital software, and services experience from embedded software design to cloud-based solutions. He holds an electrical engineering degree from Purdue University, a master's degree in computer science from the University of Illinois, and an MBA from Northern Illinois University. Although having moved 17 times before the age of 18, Paul grew up predominantly in the Midwest and now lives in suburban Chicago. He's been married to his second wife for 36 years and counts five children in their blended family. A wandering technologist, Paul has held a variety of positions focused on new technologies and on improving his self-asset. He enjoys sports, spending time with his children, and reading. Historical fiction is especially interesting to him, seeking to understand the human side of historic decisions. Okay, Paul, thank you very much for joining me for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast. How are you tonight? I'm doing quite well. How about you, Jeff? I'm doing all right. What's, what's, what's going on there in Chicago? You guys having some decent weather there right now? Um, pretty good. It's a little fluctuating a little bit, but uh, I mean, we've we've moved into full-blown summer, so it's been uh, mid to upper 80s now for about a week, Yeah. and uh, fluctuating a little bit, so it's a little cooler today. It's like in the mid-60s today, but uh, yeah, we, we've moved into hot and humid. So it, it is, it, it's typical Midwest weather in that it gets really, really humid in the summertime too, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly you're just, right. We we were talking the other day, and I think from Cincinnati, it's it's like what three hour drive or something like that. It's not too far, right? No, no. Our weather is just pretty much not all that much different. Just lagged in time yeah. um, between yeah. the two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll get into this. Um, you and I have had the great fortune of working together for the last year. So we've, we've gotten to know each other pretty well. We, we tend to think the same way about, about what we do and, and, and how we treat the customers. So first thing is always, let's talk about your career. Let's, let's talk about your job. What is it that you're doing right now? And uh, let's talk about your path for getting there as well. Well, as far as like what I'm doing right now, uh, the the term that's used in our industries is solution architect. Uh, that means a lot of different things. I mean, over the, I've worked with several companies that use different terms like uh, technical pre-sales or uh, technical sales support, uh, solution architect, a number of different titles. What it really involves is kind of bridging that technical gap between customers and technologies of the customer uh, companies that I work with. So 
a lot of times the perspective of the two is quite different. Like a customer might not be acquainted with some of the advanced technologies that that we're looking to acquaint them with to help benefit their business. And so we'll get into this a little bit when we talk about my career, but generally I, I kind of follow technology, like leading edge kind of technology. So I'm very often put in a position when I'm talking to customers where I, I'm talking about technologies that they're not generally familiar with in their day-to-day business. And so my job is to relate the technologies to how it will benefit their business. Okay. All right. And how did you get where you are right now? By wandering around in yeah. technology. Um, <laughs> the, you know, I, I, I have to say maybe when I started out kind of in high school and college, maybe I did have a plan for my career mm. um, that certainly got thrown out of the window pretty quickly, but but not thrown out from the standpoint of um, things that happened to me, more like I readjusted my course. So when I was in high school, I was pretty determined to be a doctor. Mm. So, so I took Latin and, you know, all the science classes and all the medical classes I could take. And, and I certainly took a lot of math classes as well and mm. physics and chemistry and those kinds of things. And then, uh, and so I went to high school outside of, or in Indianapolis, uh, high school on the north side of Indianapolis. I decided to go to Purdue, which was fairly local to, uh, to the high school. And when I went to Purdue, the first day I was sitting in the auditorium, you know, the uh, orientation auditorium with all these other people for med school. And they did the same thing that they do all the time in all classes and all orientations. And it's like, look to the person on your right and look to the person on your left and one or both of those people won't be here a year from now. And, and I thought, well, you're just like threatening us and that's just no good. And so I thought, I don't even want, I don't want to do that. So I said, uh, I want to be an engineer. So, so I came out of that orientation and said to my parents, uh, I want to be an engineer. So uh, yeah, as luck would have it, the, uh, the, engineering orientation was after the medical orientation. So I went to the med- the engineering orientation and uh, sat through that. And they said, uh, look to the person on your right and look to the person on your left. And what if both of those people won't be here a year from now? And I thought, oh, they scammed me. They caught me. But the but engineering was a really uh, a good path for me, so it, mm-hmm. it, it really worked out. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, cool, cool. Okay, and then as far as like my career path, it, as I mentioned, it's more about for me uh, an exploration into interesting things to do. So I was never one of these people that said, well, in five years, I want to be a vice president or I want to run a business or I want to do this or I want to do that. I was always drawn to new technologies and and how those new technologies could be applied to help accomplish a certain outcome. So like really on an early in my career, I was like um, drawn into kinds of things like photoelectric detection and uh, motion control. So I got involved with a company that was doing photo, photoelectric sensing and really early project with um, sensing people 
at urinals, for example. So when you walk up to some of these urinals and they automatically flush, I was like, like on the ground floor of that kind of development. So the, uh, I was working for a company and this was under contract to Sloan Valve. And so it was all new cutting edge kind of stuff. After a while, that kind of got like not new for me anymore. And so I started looking for the next new thing. And uh, this was right about the time that CAM, CAD CAM was coming into vogue. And mm -hmm. so people were moving from drafting boards into electronic design. And so I went to a company that wanted to make that conversion from, from drafting boards over to electronic design. And I spent about three or four years doing that, converting like 200 engineers over into electronic design uh, as system administrator and trainer and so forth. And um, then, then I kind of, the system that we were using, I, I became one of the strongest um, um, critics of the system. I'll put it that way. I mean, I had many suggestions on how the software could be improved. And about that time, the company that was supplying that decided that I could like work for them and make those improvements. So, so they hired me. Cool. Yeah, that, that led to a move, a physical move for my family. We moved to Huntsville, Alabama from the Chicago area. So the story that I was telling you earlier, uh, starting with college, was all in uh, the Chicago area. We moved to Huntsville for seven years with with the company that I just mentioned. And that was working out pretty well. And then I got laid off from that company, the first of several in my career. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, was, I was really exposed to one of the really nice acts of kindness that has stuck with me for a very long time. So at this company in Alabama, I was essentially laid off, but the way they did it was they released you to human resources, and then you had the opportunity to go find another job if you could. So it was kind of up to you to shop yourself around. I was working with a consultant at the company that was doing some work, and I don't mind telling you his name, Bill Brinegar. He was working out of Atlanta, and he called everybody he knew at that company and said, you need to hire this guy. And he made sure that I got hired and within the same company I was in. And he didn't have to do that. This was just something he did. It's just the kind of guy he was. And it, it really made an impression on me. So the, uh, that, was a, that was a really interesting example to me and a lesson learned, I, I would say, of uh, yeah. human behavior and the kind of kindness that people can exhibit without expecting anything back. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. and then and and so just to continue this sort of uh, following the technology stuff, so we wanted to get back up into the upper Midwest, and a company contacted me that was doing GPS systems in the very early days of navigation and GPS. They only had a map in a small city in California, um, privately owned company, Navtech. And they wanted to expand and, and expand the use of GPS systems and navigation. So we, we moved back into the Chicago area, and I worked on the first navigation system that went into cars. So this was wow. a pioneer system. 
Wow, a pioneer, cool. a pioneer system. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was very cool, and it was very fun. Uh, I bet. Yeah, I that's neat. Yeah. You've been on the ground floor of a few different things, haven't you? You really have. So somehow or yeah. another, you're able to sniff those kinds of opportunities out. They find you somehow or another. The stars line up, you know, whatever it happens to be. But yeah, you've you've done some cool stuff, and I I, I remember quite a few of these things from our discussions over in uh, Cheltenham as we sat in those nice big easy chairs at the hotel divan <laughs> and drink drank our whiskey at night yeah yeah very cool so all right so and then and then right now with uh, GE Aviation as a solution architect yeah, so I came to GE Aviation along those same kind of driving forces. This was about the same time as the industrial internet of things was breaking breaking loose about three or four years ago. So the internet of things was obviously hot in the commercial product space. Mm -hmm. And then that was like getting into the industrial space. And frankly, I kind of sought GE out. And I had mm -hmm. like a short list of companies that were in using the internet of things for industrial purposes, the industrial internet of things. GE was on the list, IBM, Siemens, um, several of companies in that um, kind of area. And so I kind of stalked GE a little bit for about six months and, and got, got hooked up with GE. So uh, cool. another case of following the technology. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's been, it's, it's, it's really been um, a great experience for me working with you and the time that we've spent so far, I've, I've learned a lot from you. It's, it's been cool to see how you and I can walk into a room full of people and within about the first 20 minutes to half an hour, we've got a pretty good read on people and what's going to happen. And I can take something in a certain direction and you follow me up on that. And then we'll get into a situation or we'll get into something where maybe there's a little bit of contention and maybe two people with the customer don't really agree. And you know how to bring that back together again so that we keep following the same path that we're on. You're really good at doing that. That's, that's why I love working with you so much is because we, it's, it's almost like an orchestration the way we work through that stuff. And you just, you just keep coming through time and time again. You know, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's been well, cool thank stuff. you. Thank you, Jeff. I, I, I feel the same way about the way our team works and, and the way you and I kind of complement each other's skills in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. It's and, neat. And kind it's of, neat. It, it works out nice when you have two people doing that and you can kind of uh, represent the, the, the view of the audience. So sure. uh, that's something I've done throughout my career is represent the customer, mm -hmm. kind of the customer point of view. Yeah. It's where you got to be. And it's, and, and companies everywhere are starting to understand how important that is. All right. So now we're going to change gears. Um, we've, we've, we've got a good feel for you as, as Paul Haskett, the professional. So now we're going to switch up and we're going to talk about mistakes and wins. So share with us what you feel was one of your biggest mistakes. You know, one of those ones where you just didn't know how you would get through. Well, you know, when I think about mistakes, and I and I and maybe the direction you're taking is a mistake in a decision or uh, a direction your life has taken or something like that. So. For me, a mistake um, presupposes you know what the outcome would have been if you made a different decision, mm. which you can never know. And so 
the anything that I have followed or made a decision, frankly, I I've never felt like I made a mistake. I mean, there were some things that were better than others, but I, I can't say, gee, if I had to do over again, I would take this other path because I don't know where that other path would lead. And, and the decisions that I've made in my career and in my life have worked out quite well. So yeah. I don't, I don't I really don't feel like it's a mistake kind of thing. Um, at, at least at a fundamental level, you're talking like, obviously I've made mistakes like, uh, as a young engineer working in a spray painting factory, I spray painted my uh, vice president's new suit. Um, that's probably something I wouldn't want to do again. Um, probably, probably not. No, but I'm 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 not just talking about career. I, I'm I'm talking about I'm talking about life. I'm talking about anything where you where you made that decision and later on you kind of regretted that decision. So now we're we're I mean we can stay in the career field, but we're moving on from career right now. Well, even uh, so, I, I was married previously. So um, I'm married to uh, to my wife now, uh, 36 years, and uh, we've we've had a great life. I was married previously for seven years uh, with two children from my previous wife, and you know we got divorced. And in some ways, I could say, was that a mistake? And you know what? It's worked out for me, and it's worked out for my children and my ex-wife and she's had a good life and they've had a good life and so have I. So, you know, even major things like that, I, I can't even point to as a mistake. Cool. All right. All right. That's just a good, that's a good way to look at it. All right. So how about wins? You want to, you want to share one or, or a couple really good wins for you in your life? Well, I mean, I, not to be, you know, everybody's going to say their family, and that's certainly true. I mean, my children and my family are, are obviously big wins, and, yeah. and they are for most people, and certainly are for me. Um, big wins in my career were when I took that position with the um, company that was doing GPS systems. Uh, that was a big jump for my career. I kind of, frankly, and I, there might be some people that will tune into this, but so I took the job in advance. In other words, we were in Alabama and I moved up to Chicago um, six months before we moved the family because they were in school and things like that. So I was on my own for six months. The job started out to be an hourly job. So I was being paid hourly, even though it was a full 40 hours a week. But because I was on my own, I was working like 60, 70 hours a week. I mean, I was just hammering it, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well then, after I moved, a couple months later, they decided to move everybody to salary. And what they did was take the average pay for the last six months and turn that into a yearly salary. And oh. so I just I just benefited like crazy from that. And so uh, sometimes you just get lucky, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. So I guess that was a win. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. Cool. So now let's let, let's look at everything we've talked about so far. So so we've talked about career. We've we've got a really good idea of of how your career path has been. We've talked about mistakes that aren't really mistakes, but just decisions in life which 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 cause you to go one way or another. And maybe you think back about them. But you know, you like a couple of other men that I've interviewed so far say the same thing. I, 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 I don't really look at these as mistakes. I look at these as opportunities to learn something new. Okay, that didn't work. All right, so let me try this other thing. So 
Let's think about that in the broader perspective. What do you, Paul Haskett, mean to the world? What has what you've chosen to do and the decisions that you've made, how does that how does that filter out to the world through your children, through your spouses, through the people that you work with? What's, what's you in the bigger picture of things? Yeah, well, certainly uh, my children are my legacy. And so, you know, I would want to make the world a better place with the way that I've set an example for my children and, and they will carry on that example. Uh, so, that's certainly extremely important to me. You know, over when I when I think of other than the family and the children that I'm speaking of, and maybe this, as usual, matures over time as as we mature as people. But my whole, I really like to help people and help them succeed and do things and. You know, we have this concept of GE, as you know, of a wingman, and uh, a lot of companies are using that that same term. You know, frankly, I, I get pretty jazzed when somebody else succeeds, and I've helped them do that. Uh, this is, uh, I look at the world as certainly not a zero-sum game. There's enough success, enough love, and enough kindness that that can just expand. You can give it away, and there's always more, and so... You know, it's it's puzzling to me of people that treat it as zero sum. And if they give it away or somebody else succeeds, um, then it takes away from them. So I've always felt like if you can rejoice in the good fortune of somebody else, that's that's really what it's about. Yeah, that's good. And I've, I've mentored a bunch of people, by the way. I, I usually... Most of the companies I've been at, I end up with employees coming to me and confidentially and asking me for advice, just because I'm pretty objective about that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, there are certainly ways that you've mentored me. You know, as, as you and I have, have worked together, and we'll come up against a problem, and and I'll get you on a on a Skype call, and you and I will start looking at data and just the way you look at it, and the questions that you ask about it, and the direction that you want to go are all things that I learn from every single time you and I do something together. So you've been a fantastic mentor for me in the time that we've been working together. So yeah, I get that. And, and, and I can imagine, I can imagine very strongly that a lot of other people would, would come to you and, and ask that it's, it's your demeanor. It's, it's, you are, it's, it's yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of who you are. I can see that for sure. All right. So the name of this podcast is Sage Warrior Gentleman, and, and to me, those are, those are three aspects of, three really good, strong aspects of a man, and being a man today is very different than it was even being a man 20 years ago. I mean, things have changed so rapidly in this world today, and we've come through a lot of challenges, and we just keep on living, but... The sage, the warrior, the gentleman that's in every, every man, are, these are all aspects that I'm trying to portray through doing this podcast and through doing interviews with, with great men like you to, to, help, to help people learn. And we're getting some really good response so far. So there are also a few words that I use within this about what uh, a real, t uh, what, what a modern man should practice and embody. And those are words like leadership or honor, integrity, 
confidence or compassion. Do any of those really ring a bell with you and, and ones that, that, that you like to live by, or, or is there something different aside from those words? Well, well certainly compassion uh, you know, resonates with me. I, and I, I would say many of the other ones you're talking about, leadership and, and uh, confidence and some of these other things, there's really a term that people use about being comfortable in your own skin. And I've always, I think, and people have said this about me, been comfortable in my own skin. And so to reach that sort of position you're talking about, I think you have to be comfortable in your own skin. Mm-hmm. And in essence, you can't think of things as judgmental to you. You can't be sensitive about things. You can't be afraid of things. You are who you are. Now, you can, imp- you can change and improve yourself, and, and uh, you can make changes in that regard, but you, should, you need to reach a point where you accept who you are, and, mm-hmm. and once you accept who you are, then you can, you can reach some of those other things that you're talking about. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about finding a job that, uh, that you like and then find a way to get paid for it and that kind of thing, and you know, I think a lot of that is just following you. I know this is going to sound a little bit trite, but following your heart, following what is your substance. Now, the difficult thing is finding your substance and kind of what what that is. So I think that's difficult to do. But mm-hmm. yeah, I would say comp- the, the, the compassion part of really, really thinking about the other person's position I mean, you think about in, in daily life and you, and you go and you talk to somebody and they, they're rude to you. They're just, just plain rude. And it may be somebody you know, it may be somebody you don't know. If it's somebody you know and it's out of character, boy, stop and think. There's something going on with this person. Like, don't, don't take this wrongly. They've got stuff going on in their lives. Um, and even if you don't know the person, think that same way. It could be it could be a family issue. It could be a medical issue. It could be a job issue. There could be all kinds of things. But before you react, stop and think. What you're seeing visibly is not the story, and see if you can understand the story. Yeah, something something else behind that. So I yes. want to I want to I want to dig in just a little bit more to something you said here because I think it's it's super important for us to go into right now. And you talked about the you talked about the process of accepting yourself for who you are, mm-hmm. and that is challenging for a lot of people. It's challenging for me a lot of the times too, because I've always been a guy who's been like on the fringe or on the edge of a lot of stuff. You know, in 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 high school, I started wearing my dad's old sport coats. Every, every dude on the football team thought I was nuts. Every girl thought I was fantastic. And it wasn't until I got to FIT where I started understanding that there were more people who thought like I did. So that was, that was a huge epiphany for me in, in starting to learn to accept myself a little bit too. So, so what would you say are, 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 are some of the challenges and if you could, if you could say that there were some good practices for learning how to accept yourself, what would you, what would you say to that? Well, 
first of all, I would say don't take yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this whole thing of judging yourself and down on yourself or what, I mean, there's, it's such a wide world out there and it's so big and to be focused on some problem or issue or judgment about yourself or, or as you said, it, especially if you think maybe you made a wrong decision or a decision you wish you hadn't made and so now you're judging it. You know, the, so don't take yourself too seriously. Don't be too hard on yourself and move forward. Always move forward. I mean, I certainly you can learn from the past and I'm, I'm okay with that adage, but frankly, thinking about the past or dwelling on the past or second guessing the past is just poison. And so my advice on that is just, just keep going forward to the next thing. Yeah. doesn't get you anywhere to keep looking backwards, right? I don't think so. No, it doesn't. All right, cool. So I believe too that we need to help bring chivalry back because I think chivalry has died. What do you think about chivalry? Does it mean anything to you? Well, I guess it's kind of the definition of like how you look at chivalry and that sort of thing. And so the, um, certainly if you think of it as uh, a man and a woman or chivalry to women, that kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it's certainly women today don't need me to slay dragons for them or anything like that. Yeah. But there certainly is a level of decorum or um, politeness or manners or, something to looking out for somebody and being polite to them. So small things, opening doors or um, doing things for another person. I, I think that's sadly losing, losing it uh, in, in today's world. I mean, the, yeah. the whole women want to be equal to men, um, whatever that means. It's like, you know what, why don't we celebrate our differences rather than try to figure out a way to have everything equal? Um, And I, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, I I am nowhere near the kind of person that says, well, a woman has her place and let me define it for you. Um, That's not it at all, but being polite and being respectful, um, integrity, those are, those are all part of chivalry to me. And I, I hope we bring some of that back. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So let's talk about health. You were a really big athlete for a huge part of your life, right? You were a runner. You told me about some of the things that you did. So let's talk about health. How, what, what, what does health mean to being a, a modern man today or, or, or a guy in the society who can really be on his game all the time. Does, does, does health play into that? Do you think? Oh yeah. And, and so many different ways. I mean, there's sort of the superficial health of um, you're healthy enough to do things and you're healthy enough that you're not ill, but, but that's, that to me is sort of the, uh, just scratching the surface. So you've got the physical health, which is which is part of it, and and obviously uh, mental and emotional health, and those those all go together. Uh, how you feel about yourself and how you exercise is a reflection on how you feel about yourself. How you present yourself to other people is a reflection on how you feel about yourself. So 
um, yeah, I, I, uh, I've exercised a lot in my life, but I, I just struggle like a lot of people. So, uh, you know, I've gone through weight swings and I've gone through periods of time where I didn't exercise so much. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, I probably have the same challenges in that regard as a lot of people, but, but, uh, yeah, health is, uh, extremely important. Something we take for granted primarily, uh, I would say quite a bit when we're younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can, I can remember my parents saying, Oh, health is everything. Being healthy is everything. And it didn't really sink in. And, now that I'm getting to a point where some things are wearing out, it, it really hits home in that regard. Yeah. 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 So talk about Paul as a runner. I remember some stories, but not all of it. Talk a little bit about that. Well, it, when I was uh, younger, like in high, high school, I was more, my sports were tennis and swimming. And then as I got out of school and got into a work life, uh, running became a way of losing weight and controlling my weight, but then I really started to like it. And so running sort of grew into biking. And because I'd been swimming, I was like, well, and it seems like uh, I should start doing triathlons. And so for probably a decade, I was doing uh, medium distance triathlons and doing a lot of training and that kind of thing. So um, certainly training and doing those sorts of things are really good for physical health, but they're also good for, for mental health as well. So, uh, and I, you know, I've done triathlons. I ran a marathon. The, uh, the marathon was more like uh, a checklist on my bucket list. It was, uh, (laughs) it wasn't all that much fun. Um, So I checked it off and said, yeah, I don't need to do a lot more of those. uh, Okay. Been there, done that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and now, now, uh, and as you know, I've had, uh, when I was in my thirties, I broke my ankle, um, through slipping on ice and some just freak accident and never had any trouble with it till about the last 10 years and started getting arthritis in my ankle. So about, well, it's been a year ago now I had my ankle replaced and that allowed me to start exercising again. So I've been doing a lot of walking because the, the jarring from running is really bad for the ankle replacement. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm starting to take some of that weight off and getting in better shape. And you did a great job of, of keeping up with me in Cheltenham. No, I didn't. I chased you, you little rabbit. I chased you all over Cheltenham. <laughs> you, you, you told me you couldn't go any slower and stay upright. So... <laughs> lose my balance if I walk any slower. <laughs> but then, but then, but then at the end, we always had the reward at the end because we we slid into Hotel Duvan and sat down in our chairs, and our favorite bartender would just bring those whiskeys over to us. Here you go, guys. Here you are, and we'd sit there and talk for an hour after that. So it was, it was beautiful. I really enjoyed that trip with you, and that was that was such an amazing. Trip. So so did so did I as well with you. And you know, it raises to me, and this has always been a curiosity of mine, is that you meet new people, and some people you immediately can bond with, and just things just click. Mm-hmm. And some people. You never will. And some people, it just takes a little longer. But it's, it's interesting to me that in many cases, I've encountered people that immediately I click with. And you're one of those people. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's, just, it's an interesting phenomenon to me, mm-hmm. how that happens. 
Thanks for saying that. Yeah, it was cool. All right, so we're coming down to closing now. We've got a couple of, of questions left, and there's one that's, that's brand new, and I got this from Monocle Magazine, which I love. I might have told you about Monocle Magazine when we were traveling together, but it's this super cool international magazine. The headquarters are in London. They, they do a podcast as well on, on a lot of different subjects that are, that are great. And in the last magazine, I pulled this insert out. And so this is a question that I'm going to start working in here. What can we do daily to make a difference? Well, so this is, uh, it started out with my thinking about do something for someone else every day. And I, I still think that's really important. I also think it's important to let somebody else do something for you every day because they get such fulfillment out of doing something for you. And, and you know, a, a lot of times we take this position that if they're doing something for us, we're imposing or it's, it's trouble. It's, you know, we don't really want them to do that for us yeah. when it's actually a blessing to let them do something for us. Um, when I was, and maybe this is kind of the way you treat people of different age groups, but I used to think I'm not going to do something for somebody else that they could do for themselves. That doesn't seem like the right thing. You can do this yourself. You don't need me to do it. I've come to learn uh, that it's really meaningful to do something for someone else that they could do themselves already. And, and it really is as important as the other way around. Um, and so, yeah. And so when you say make a difference every day, it's go out of your way to do uh, a kindness that you don't expect to be reciprocated. Yeah. Yeah. And you've, you've hit on that theme a couple, a couple times so far today. And it even kind of goes back to what you said about chivalry too. Yes. That woman can open that door by herself, but I'm going to do it for her. Yeah. You know, because I want to do that. And you know what? That's how I was raised. Too, you know, as a as as a baby boomer, and just just the way I, I I came up in life, it's the way I was raised. You know, you you were raised to be polite and to do polite things like that. Respect your elders. There was a lot in it, and um, you know, I'm I'm a dad now too. We're both dads, right? We both we both got grown kids. Mine are mine, mine are in their twenties, and both of them learn that stuff very well. I know a lot of young people their age who don't practice those things, but anybody who meets my two sons will say to me, wow, you did a really good job raising those guys. Those guys are fantastic. They've got great manners. They're very personable. So, uh, you know, a lot of that had to do with their mommy. I will not take anything away from her because she did a, she did it. She did a great job. I think, I, th I think we did okay. So, all right. So last couple of questions and here's one. If you were to mentor a younger man, now, you, you know, you, you've already talked about, about mentoring and, and we've kind of already gotten into that, but, but let's just be a little bit more specific. If you were to mentor a younger, a younger man, a younger woman, just a younger somebody, where do you think you would have the strongest influence in teaching them some really good practices for life? 
I, I think I would follow that theme that I was talking about earlier about being comfortable in your own skin mm-hmm. and sort of the fulfillment side of life of what would really fulfill your life. The uh, and, and a lot of this is different for different people. I mean, the, I've met a lot of people that uh, were very aggressive in their careers, looked to reach certain levels very quickly, um, did or didn't, and felt like that was fulfilling only to find out later that wasn't fulfilling. Or the, the example of um, find something, find a job you love to do, and and like I was reflecting earlier that in a lot of ways, every job has interesting things to do and you can probably find a way to love the job you're on. Now that's not to say that every job and every person you're gonna interact with is, is perfect and acceptable, but uh, certainly I think I, I would be, um, I would like to address the fulfillment side and the satisfaction of life side, um, I think. Cool. That's neat. All right, sir. So we're going to wrap it up with one final question and then we will close it out for tonight. And that question is, is there anything else you'd like to say? Uh, Just, I I guess some of the things that I reflected on earlier, you know, just um, things that I would hope people would exhibit more like rejoicing in the good fortune of others. I think that's, that's so important and not feeling like it's taking away from you. Um, you know, we are talking about advice to younger people. Don't be a victim. You, you just do not take the position of a victim. Always be moving forward and you are in charge of your own destiny. So um, those couple of things. And then, Gosh, I wish there was more kindness in the world. I, I don't know how to bring that about, but um, frankly, I'm I'm uh, troubled with today's situation with the division of people and how lines are drawn for any kind of, any number of different reasons. And yeah. uh, I, I think that's too bad. Yeah, it is. It's sad. Okay. All right, Paul. So thank you very, very much for spending some time with me tonight, man. I, this is this has been awesome. Just like I told you, I knew it would be. This has been great. I think you've shared a lot of really, really phenomenal lessons uh, with anybody who will be listening to this. So um, get this all packaged up and put together, and this will be ready sometime pretty soon. So uh, thank you very, very much. I, well, I really appreciate it. Was, it. I can't it's been a pleasure, enough. Jeff. And thank you for doing your website and your podcast. I think there's a really important message there that you're getting out. So thank you very much. Oh, cool. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. All right. So long, Paul. Okay. Take care. So thanks for joining us for this episode of the Sage Warrior Gentleman podcast. And remember that you can join us and get a free guide over at sagewarriorgentleman.com. We'd love to have you join our conversation and please help us spread the word if you feel this could help someone you know and care about.